Welcome back. I am your host, Kevin. As many of you know, I am a middle-aged white male who has, for my entire life, enjoyed extreme privilege simply because of the color of my skin. That is not okay, and it is most certainly not okay as long as other people are suffering because of the color of their skin and do not enjoy said privilege. Racism is real, and it doesn't care if you believe that or not. It has infected every system and every institution that we have in this country and perhaps the world. It's the reason that George Floyd is just the latest name in a long list of African Americans who have been murdered by a racist white person in a position of power. And its destruction of black bodies and lives throughout our nation's history is what we are currently protesting, not just here in America, but all over the world. That's why uh, it is so vitally important, not just at this time, but all of the time, that we don't just celebrate artists of color, but we make space for their voices and stories, which is why in solidarity with the protests across the country, the Black Lives Matter movement, and in recognition of my aforementioned lifelong privilege, I'd like to use this platform to draw attention to one of my good, good friends, Aaron Abernathy. Back in 2017, Ab released an immense album entitled Dialogue that spoke to all of the issues that are exploding across our nation today. Things have not gotten better since then because we are not better than this. We are exactly this. And his music vibrates with this truth. As it was in 2017, dialogue is a call to resistance and revolution. It speaks not just to our times, but the entire history of oppression of people of color in this country. If you are listening to this and you have any doubt in your heart whether these problems exist or even what to do about them, then I implore you to not just hear this conversation about dialogue with your ears, but to listen to it with your heart. Uh, Ab is is one of the best of us, and uh, what you're hearing is a pure expression of love uh, from him to you. So with that said, uh, here is our conversation with Ab, and uh, please stay safe out there. Oh, this world, the souls and injured hearts, try their best to play the part, need to know. God loves you, and he will make you holy. Bring your holiness into this world. To feed the souls of people starving. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said from the start, uh, we, we met up at uh, Songbird. Yeah, as we pointed out off off Mike seven hours last seven night, hours like, later, we all talked. I got, I, I guess I got trashed. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, I, we were there for seven hours. Yeah, we were there, we were there, there for a minute, man. I remember <laughs> a long time. But we were there for a long time. time. Like, to do really? It. But, yeah. But everything since I've heard this album and started talking to you about this album has been focused on not the industry side of it per se, of just getting it out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Right down to your friend Chris being here. My man. Yeah. Because when, you know, last time we talked, you just came over on a Saturday. We hung out. It was yeah. cool shit and had yeah. a good time. But this time you were like, nah, Chris has to come over and yep. and sort of walk us through how this all got started. Now, we know where this got started, which was Inauguration Day. Yeah. yeah. So, but so there's like a backstory to it that Chris is like the unofficial A&R of this project nice. because we so um, nice of you to say those <laughs> <laughs> say that word because we first um, time I've ever been yeah, referred to as such yeah this is this is like my best friend you know what I'm saying yeah. and we um, we I think at the time 
that time in my life, like this guy's like my therapist. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like we just talk about everything. You know what I'm saying? Like my birthday is December twenty sixth, his is January fourth, so we're both Capricorns. Right. And um we just uh we have no problem with sharing things with each other. So like I think he knew like everything that was going on in my life, like relational wise, you know what I'm saying? And like when the new year came in I was telling him, like, yeah, I'm working on, you know, I worked on a chunk of monologue. I think it was like, uh, not, it was the winter before it came out, right now. So, winter time is usually when I'm like recording when it's cold and you just. In the basement where you you have no choice but to. Yeah, I just. Be inside. Besides Chris, my sister, like, she knows how I am. I'm a very introverted person right shout out to you calling me a wild falcon a wild falcon <laughs> when seeing me in public because people know that i don't i don't really go out man I, and when i heard that i laughed i was like that's so accurate <laughs> yeah, a unicorn or wild yeah. something yeah mystical. my friend my friend kelly thomas always called every time i come out to see her dj shout out to dj cleveland brown yep. um she always like a unicorn came out but um <laughs> i just like to kind of stay to myself so anyways um i think at that time I was so focused on epilogue um, and telling this story that we'll get to later. But um, my good friend from college, Jay Young, gave me a call. Mm, Chris, I thought Jay Young. Yeah, we all went to Howard together, and he was he was talking about monologue. Like, yo, man, monologue is great. Blah blah blah. At the time, I was telling him I was waking up every day at five a.m. and going to the gym, and he was like, yo, I want to get on that with you. So, would you mind calling me when you wake up in the morning? to go to the gym. Right. And I was right. like, all right, cool. So I would call him, ask him if he's up. We would start having conversations. We were talking every day. Um, and he was like, so what you working on now? And I remember telling him I'm working on the final chapter to what I would call unofficially the log series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told him it was called Epilogue. Right. And he was like, I know you're not going. He was like, we got to get a dialogue from you can't get out of you know get out of here without a dialogue he was like you're the talking man like you always have good things to talk about you know from when we're having phone conversations to your blog like you always got something to say so he's like i gotta get a dialogue out of you and i was like all right that's a good idea and i remember <laughs> i remember calling chris and telling him like man guess what uh jay young told me like he was like you know i need to do an album called dialogue i was like well you know we'll, we'll makes tuck perfect that. sense all right yeah i was like yeah. we'll tuck that away i didn't even think about that one right, you know, right. prologue monologue epilogue that's all i was on dialogue i was like that's good i was didn't like oh man it. it's cool it fits man it's just, yeah, yeah we didn't really think too much of it outside of that you know right. what i'm saying it was just kind of like oh man that's cool it, it seems like it would be another springboard for you to like keep this like log series unofficially yeah, like, yeah. going right? right yeah because the thing with monologue was was that it, it was very planned out yeah. from yeah, it was. It, it was right. very it Before was very prologue, specific we knew we were going to do monologue yeah yeah, yeah. And, it, and it was very very specific in what it was trying to say i mean you you could hear it in the songs and stuff but just talking to you about it for like five minutes you realize that this is this is you could write it out as a narrative put it up on a, in on amazon as a kindle book and you'd be like all right i've got monologue and then there it is yeah there's rap lyrics like that so um no, and knowing you were going to do epilogue, I was like, exactly the log series, like yeah. this is this is this is your epic journey. This is your Star Wars. Oh man, right? You know there okay. it is. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. All right. So yeah, like I, I distinctly remember those conversations. Um, that one in particular, where 
it was just floated around for the first time. Like, okay, we're going to do this dialogue thing. Let like, me, you know, you, you said you said it before. Like, we talk about everything, you know what I'm yes. saying? So it was just like, I knew we kind of go through things at, uh, around the same, around Man, the same time. It's crazy, yeah. you know? So we were dealing with a lot of the same things, like a lot of the same emotional things, a lot of right, the same, right. a lot of the same issues just with the country in itself, you know what I'm saying? So all of our discussions were about that. You kind of alluded to this too, where it was just like, we were talking about these things anyway, you know? Yeah. Yep. So like when that started to happen, he was like, I I, I feel something, man. Like I right. am about to go into the lab. I've been thinking about what Jay Young was saying about this dialogue and I think I'm about to go at it. Like, All right. Yeah. You know? That's it cool. just I don't even know how this album happened. Right, that's what you said to me a lot uh, during this process. Real quick, how long have you guys known each other? Mm, pushing like 15, 16. Yeah, it's got to be that. I mean, I I knew him freshman year of college, but right, right. we started like being tight like sophomore year because yeah. I am a recluse. <laughs> Word up. That's good. My roommate. <laughs> Was the anti recluse? Oh my goodness, <laughs> dude! This guy. Shouts out, to, shouts out to the brother over yeah. My shouts man, Serrano Barnes. Um, this guy is unbelievable, man. He used to just invite people to our dorm room. I would <laughs> like come. I would come. I would what come back from yeah, class, you know and like people would be. There would be three people sitting on my bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what? Three on his playing Madden. There was a fight that broke out on my bed. Yeah, it was. It's like, come on, man. This guy's unbelievable, but he's a great guy. You know, so it's like, it's like um, extrovert and introvert. Secret type history of, of how. Yeah, right, you know, right, right, right. So bit. my question is, is a point like, because as a, as a writer, right, it's like when you write, when you start to write all the words, and you know what I mean, like when you, when you start to make all the songs, yeah, you reach a point where like. Stuff fits in, yeah. Just because you have all of the the tools available, playing your head at the same time. So like, when you get like an idea, so like like the the Trump thing has affected me. Yeah, yeah. As a definitely. writer this year, yeah. because it's like mm. it's like I always say he's like a non moving target. Yeah. So like <laughs> anything that you throw at the at the wall, like it's like yeah. I always call it like the, like 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 the concrete wall it doesn't move it's right there, and I can throw anything at it and it bounces back. And it comes right back at me, and I'm like, "Oh, good." Let's let's, let's back up and get a little specific though, because we talked about uh, this when we talked about your album, and this, I think this is where you're yeah, going yeah, and yeah. stuff. And we talked about how um, when uh, over the course of this year, and this is intentional on Dowling's part, and for whatever reason it works, this is why you and Black Milk were down here. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Why Odyssey has been down here, a lot of people and stuff. It's like, it's why I'm really good friends with Marcus Moore now. Yeah, uh, because. There was this black journalist enclave in D.C. Still exists. Still exists. That is all this. Uh, Julian Kimball. Uh, so Godfrey. Brianna Younger. Moore has abandoned us. And we'll never forgive him for it. Oh. But, 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 but they Not all. the mercy because he's in it too. Mercy, yeah. yeah. Everybody and, and, mercy and, but they, they all came over. This was like completely unplanned because we didn't know what was. Nobody had any idea of knowing what was going to happen. Yeah. But we knew talking about it going up, leading up to the actual election, w you could see a wave of uh, more antagonizing racism, if that's even possible, right. yeah. rising up that we had that we had maybe forgotten about or we just ignored. Just, he just um, he did the reverse of what Obama did. Yeah, yeah, he did the reverse. You know so, so 
when I woke up and when they got over here, uh, the question was, after talking for a while, was how can, like, how can I help protect you guys? How can, like, because growing up in the South, like, a lot of people have an abstract concept of lynching. Yeah. I live in Lynchburg. Sure. Right. <laughs> so, right. No. So there's it's, nothing, it's there's nothing abstract about yeah. it. When you, when you grow up with people, teenagers in my high school who would gladly go out right. and hang a black person from a tree, and that's in the 80s. Yeah. You know, it's a very real thing that is hard to conceptualize. It's hard for, and I think that's one of the biggest problems with all of this right now is because it's so hard to conceptualize that specific type of violence against a person. And, yeah. With all that in mind. So and then we talked about that. Yeah. What was your reaction to seeing the results come in and waking up the next morning and being like, fuck. I woke up like I knew it. Did you? Yep. I knew. I knew. I remember my sister being mad. I was I remember telling her like, he's gonna win. I knew he was gonna win when he beat everybody in the Republican Party. I was like, yeah. man, this is like watching WWE. <laughs> right. It's like right, the shock value. Except way less you know? cool. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly. way less cool. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But that's what it was. It was like he's just body slamming people and doing like yeah. crazy the things that you would never right, seen. And it just, you know, people always think they want something new until they get it. You know? Yeah. And so, like... I think it was that it was new. It's that... No, what I'm Trump saying is old in a way that like people were comfortable. He just he 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 shook up rural rural America, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And they felt forgotten. Right. And that, and that is that's just all it is and unfortunately they think they're better than people that look like Barack Obama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what he cooked up and that's what happened. I mean, this guy said that Barack Obama wasn't from our country. That's, right. that's how he came that's in the game. Crazy. Yeah. He's from Kenya. Yeah, that's that, how he came that's in how the game. That's how he entered. Right. Right. And you know, which is the easiest and grossest like delegitimization of somebody like the, the way to absolutely. do it. It's like, hey, you know, you, I want to fuck you up, so I'm going to say not only look, people don't like you cuz you're black, but yeah. also you're you're not even American. You're unpatriotic. You might be yeah. a terrorist. Right. Because also, at that yeah. point if you're in if you were in this well, if you're in DC, you understand. We yeah. all know people who work yeah, on the, sure. In the government, one of my friends, one of our friends, wrote the 9-11 Commission. Mm-hmm. He was uh, Obama's speechwriter. Right. So we these are good people doing fantastic work, trying to keep everybody safe and doing it the right way. Yeah. But if you go out, even just even in Alexandria, even a little further down to Charlottesville, yeah. uh, you see uh, people who don't understand that because partially because the industry is different down there. If you have worked at a Walmart your entire life, there's no reason you should understand how policy works. But right. but uh you you don't is the problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> like no, you, yeah. you don't want, yeah. you don't bother to figure it out. And so when this guy comes along and does something like that, it's like, yeah, because the only thing I know is that shit's un American. Right. It it doesn't surprise me though. Okay. Like it's um man, it's there's so much to talk about. Yeah, well, that's, that's I don't even know. Yeah, I don't right. even know where yeah. to start. So I'm glad. What I well, what the, I the reason? Yeah, the reason I wanted to start with that to see okay. where you were from because what you, you have crafted here is, uh, in my mind, one of the great like handbooks, one of the like 
totems, one of the mileposts in not just like civil rights activism, but just humans trying to get better. In 2017, we're, we're kind of fucked. And, and, it's our, <laughs> and it's our own fault. A lot of this stuff, I think a lot of this album came from a place, I was in a place of despair. And a lot, of, I paid attention to a lot of things that were happening during the election. Some of the things that were in our group chat. So we got like a, um, we have a yeah. group chat with all of our guys from college, just like 21 people in there. Right. And I remember after the election, a lot of, I won't say a lot, but there were some people in the group that spoke on how, you know, people didn't get out and vote and why didn't you vote and why right. this and why that, you know? And I had to really explain to one of them, like, man, I live on like, Minnesota Ave and Benning. Yeah. And nobody down there voting because they don't change nothing for nobody. Right, right, but Rock right. being in office, Trump being in office, right. whether Hillary got in, that has changed nothing in that neighborhood right. at all, you know? So you even, I know this sounds so crazy, but like you have to even check your privilege just as a middle class citizen. Uh, yeah, I, what, I, I, I It, it ain't got to do with being black, it don't have to do with being white. Any any minority in this country, it doesn't matter. Like, check your, your class. Like, yeah. if you're in the middle class, if you went to college and you're educated mm-hmm. on, hey, you know, go and vote. And most of us only vote for the president. We don't vote in Correct. mid-elections right. and all, no you locals. know, the midterm yeah. elections. Yeah. yeah. You don't vote when it's time for voting for the mayor. Or, and yeah, all that. You know. Right. Yeah. Marion Barry's so, gone, so D.C. people aren't going to come out. Yeah. So it, it just... It it comes, I was just trying to tell them like, yo, man, you got to really don't. You're speaking from a place place of privilege. There you go. Was trying to explain like, hey man, the condemnation of people who are like, you know, a little bit apathetic about it. It can come from that place of like, you're middle class. You really don't know what it is to be in a situation where you don't have access to anything. Right, right. And you don't know who's going to give it to you. And, but the thing is, even if you do have some experience with that, you always there's always going to be something below that. Right. The idea yeah. of uh, the idea Absolutely. of always reach down and don't reach up is is go. what we're rooted in. But the the thing is figuring out uh, to put it in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer terms, like the big bad. Right. <laughs> and and we we're in my wheelhouse now. Yeah. So okay. Let's, good. Good. Okay. Yeah, let's okay. Go. We, we're let's good. Go. Let's go. Right. So so it you know if. If we know all these problems and we know if you as a religious man, Ab, or yeah. like everybody is a sinner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, so so if you're coming from that and that's ingrained in people and stuff. So we know that, that that acknowledges sin exists and stuff. But we can't figure out. Like we start talking about racism. And then all of a sudden we talk about like, no, like you're saying the privilege. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you middle class black people. Mm-hmm. You, you got it okay. You don't understand us lower class. And then you have some, like, white hillbilly in a trailer park in West Virginia. Like, no, you guys don't understand. Right. And and it's it's all these things adding up to, like, everybody is disadvantaged mm-hmm. because we can't do the things that we need to do to get together. And how I think— That's the disadvantage. Yeah, and that's the disadvantage. Yeah. And, and how I think this album plays into this and, and, and your work in general is very specifically— Generation is a, uh, we said this on the review, is a sort of the fulcrum point. Mm-hmm. It's like, are we going to fight for it or not? Yeah. Everything else is ta- is simply just talking about the world and giving like lessons about the world and not judging. I remember when, okay, 
let's just start talking about some behind the scenes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. So if we want to start talking about this album, I have to start with being in London in December with my friend Nicole Clark. And I remember she was working on this project called I Find It Amazing. I find it incredible. I'm sorry. Um, and that's what um, Angela Davis says in, you know, the soundbite from Children of the City, which is, you know, Violence. from the documentary, you know. That's why I find it incredible, you know. Right. And um, she was using it on the basis of black women being incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, I find I find it incredible. I find us incredible. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I remember her playing and I was like, play me that full clip. And I remember sitting there in London, like watching at Islington and Highbury at her spot, like watching this clip. And I don't know what it was. I was like, take a mental note of that. I don't know why. I was like, man, that clip right there, you know. And so then I remember um, seeing the Nina Simone clip on Facebook. The same, the one that's in Children of the City as well, you know. I'll do it by any means necessary, you know. Educating our people by any means necessary, right? And so, um, I remember I started working on this song called Children of the City. And I had that instrumental. I had that instrument. I made that instrumental in like 2012. Like just the skeleton of it, you know. And it was called Children of the City in 2012 when I made the instrumental. And he's breathing. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still believing. Messenger for my people. You know, the people, the victims, the system, the evil. And it's been going on for centuries. That white supremacy, that no equality. That store clerk in the store that follows me, along with police brutality. Yeah. And we're fed up, and all lives matter. This is set up. Since I got schools with dated books, produced crooks that played hooky. And now they have to get your dark goodies. Y'all know the system failed them. Wouldn't excel them. They'd rather break them down in jail. Sell them. And I, I know. To me, it sounded like Cleveland. It sounded like mm -hmm. the city I grew up in. Right. It sounded like going down to Fairfax or East 40th and Woodland where my church is at. And so um, I was like, this is perfect. Like, I don't know why those clips worked for me. So this was like the first song that I was putting together. And I remember, like, all, all words come to me in the shower. And so, like, I'm racing out of the shower to, like, record the soundbite into my phone. And then I remember laying it. And it was the first song I laid, and I sent it to Chris, and I sent it to my man, too. And they both was like, this is crazy. <laughs> and then, too, was like, just turn up the vocal on Angela Davis at the beginning so we can hear what little, she's saying. We got to hear remember a little that on the, on the, on the thread. thread. Like, we just got to like, hear right, what cool. she's saying a little bit clearer yeah. to lead into yep. what you're saying. Yep. And I was like, all right, cool. And so, to me, this is a Lucy, right? Yeah. Then, I went to the grocery store in my hood, the Safeway, on um, 40th. Mm-hmm. And I know it well. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody in the room got got. No, it's right. No shouts out to that Safeway off for No, you. there's like. Go ahead, Mike. Like, I'm gonna let you speak because like, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna like, take the shouts back. Like, okay, so like to me, one of the key parts of of the record that's great is that you put in stuff 
in places where things are without. Right. So like living where you live. Yeah. There's so many things. Okay. So like I, I grew up over there. Word. Okay. So like there's things that were there that are now just not there. Yeah. Like operational grocery stores, you know, yeah. like they don't exist east of the river for the most part. Right. They just don't. And they did. And it's like you and it's like when you go over there and like I said, I listened to your record when I was coming, I was over by the big chair and I Word. came down Minnesota. Yeah. And I was like, this, yeah, like and I was looking around and I'm like, wait, there's all this stuff that and it wasn't that the stuff was great. Yeah. By any stretch, it was functional. Right. Yeah. Like it's like, okay, the grocery store, the giant that was on Minnesota Avenue was functional. Right. Yeah. The the clothing stores that were on Minnesota were, were, were functional. Yeah. They weren't like incredible. It wasn't like you were looking at like, you know, like $150 suits or whatever. Right. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, you need this, you go here, you get it, keep it moving. Yeah. And all of the stuff that's like gone, and then to hear something like this puts it together because the music is so good. And then, like, the the things that you're saying are so powerful yeah. that you're, like, in, in the black community, I think this stretches across the country, not just D.C., yeah, but could everywhere. Just, you, could, you could ride around. There. And it fills the holes. Because the I, holes are real. I think that's the thing, like, just riding around, like, after I finished it, riding around my neighborhood listening to it, I was just like, man, this is, this is it. This is our soundtrack. This right. is it, yeah. you know? And I so, like, that, uh, when you... Sent it to me initially. One of the things that I said is that this is this is every hood. You know what I mean? Like I know that you you said it like yeah. this is Cleveland. Yeah, but I'm from New Orleans, man. So like, yeah. okay. we yeah. know about this gentrification, especially post Katrina. You know what I'm saying? So like, all of that spoke to me in a very specific way, right. right? That I knew would resonate with a lot more people when I heard it. I'll go back to like the going to the Safeway. It was like mm-hmm. the next move. So I go to the Safeway. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just rotten produce, man. Like, I'm trying to get some salad, you know, a bag salad. You know, I'm trying to get some ginger, trying to get some, like, cilantro. Like, the stuff that you're like naming just, is also so basic. Like, like it's, yeah, it's yeah. nothing and extravagant. It, you're not yeah. looking for prime cuts of meat, you know? No, like, you're just, just looking for basic stuff. Rotten you know? produce, how... How do you have a bag of salad where you see it? It's rotting. Right. Right. This would never fly on the other side of the river. Yeah, it would never would fly. Would have, yeah. So why is this happening where I live, where people can't even get to the other side? They can't right. afford to get to the other side. And they can't, they don't want to get on a bus to do it because they, I mean, it's too many groceries to carry. You want to be able to go down the street, get your groceries and leave. Too many groceries, and if you don't have money for bus fare, yeah, some people can't even get out of the you know out of the neighborhood. I mean, that's, we were riding sorry over here, listeners. That's a real thing, right? <laughs> right. right. We right. was riding over here, and um, you know, you hit Minnesota and Benning Ave. You go over the bridge, Pepco on the right, and if you keep going down right before you get to um 17th, because we made it right on 17th to get here, you see like Carver Terrace is in the back. Which is like the projects back there, mm-hmm. but then there are these row houses that are like kind. Of, they might as well be Carver Terrace. They're right in front of them. That sit right on Minnesota, um, not Minnesota, on Benning Ave. Right before you get to Heckinger Mall. Yeah, these people in these row houses, literally Eighth Street, is like what a ten minute walk. Ten minute walk. They yeah, don't even go over there. I know. Yeah, they don't like. 
it's not even in their mind. Like, let me walk over to sticky rice. Right. right. That's like buppy, yuppie type yeah. stuff. Well, like, it, they is. Any, it is. It is. Uh, they're not even thinking. It's got a streetcar. Come yeah. on. The, the, the funny it's got part a streetcar. is that the line. The line. The line is the is is the lodge is, is Red Rocks. Yeah. The line is Red Rocks, and it's funny because if you look at the way that like the community is set mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. everything from Red Rocks is, and back is almost explicitly marketed towards the African American community. I never. Hey. I, I hear you on that. They got them little. They got that Deja Vu club. Yeah, I think yeah, it's called Deja I haven't Vu. Been down there in a while, but I, yeah, you're, that's actually right. That's, <laughs> they got like a sports club on the that other side of a uh, 14th. They yeah. got Tony's restaurant. Exactly. On both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it still got that. Right. Yes. And then Interesting you go dynamic urban with the right. quotes around. And then around you go past it. Red Rocks, <laughs> and it's like, and it's like the Ann Pizza's right there, and then like yeah. the the Sailor, the falafel Cusma, joint, and then yeah. you keep going, and it's yeah. like, and it gets, and it's funny. Now that you have the Apollo at the end of it, it gets more and more and more and more opulent as you go down the block. It's fascinating because you go from like the the, the carryout up to like. Nando's. Yeah, it's the truth. Yep. You're just to like Starbucks to Whole Foods yeah. right. to a for, functioning giant. And 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 for people who, who not, that's not that giant is out of control. For, for people who like the the picture we're painting of DC. I mean, you have to understand. We've said this a lot on these mics. You have to understand the thing about DC. Yes, it is the seat of power. Uh, it wasn't called Chocolate City for nothing. You can't call it Chocolate City anymore. It is literally you it, can't. It, it, the, 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 ha, that Howard still even exists in the city is kind of amazing. I was thinking about this the other day. That's kind of amazing to me, right? Because you would think that somebody would like Douglas Development would come there and been like, they tried, yeah. See, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Some dumb motherfucker it tried, right. and and it's, it's, this is this is what exists. Look, man, I realize I. I even me, like I mm-hmm. learned stuff from the album. So yeah, when I say like I kind of I don't know where it's coming from. I do understand that I'm just the vessel for a message that God put inside of me. Mm-hmm. And so when all of this was coming together, I think like the order I I don't remember it specifically because it was like six weeks of just stuff was just coming. You know, I I can't explain it to you. Like, I would, like, I would just come out the shower and be, like, grabbing my phone and, like, then going downstairs the next day and recording. And, like, I had my world tour in my room at the time, so I was kind of just playing, you know, just playing stuff out in my room. Like, man, that's going to work. And then I would, like, end up, I was only listening to three albums at the time. Curtis Mayfield's Curtis album, his first solo album. Sure. Um, I was listening to Marvin Gaye, What's Going On, and Sly's rebuttal to it, There's a Riot Going On. Yep. And so um, those albums have like this um, this aura to them. Yes. Like it has these these themes and, and these, it's the voices to me that makes those albums, especially What's Going On. It's that, that choral effect that he has going on that has we- like this, this feeling to it. Well, what you yeah. did by, and it's something that you're really good at, and whether or not like you do it consciously or not, like part of the point of what's going on, and I'm sure you know this, was this was an interior dialogue. This is what was going on in his head. So he'd have one voice singing over here, and then he'd have another version of him, yeah, like literally in character, 
yeah. and he'd alter the timber of himself like just slightly so it sounded like the same person but a little different and he played all these yeah. characters throughout the album to play off all his experiences until you get to inner city blues and then he's like kicking down the door and going look motherfuckers this is, this is uh, yeah. come on, man. <laughs> come on. that's the same thing like uh spanky who's my drummer mm-hmm. him and john john's a guitar player i remember when i played them am i am i good enough to love for the first time and they were like who's the girl singing on there with you and i was like that's me yeah like, there is no that's me yeah <laughs> you know but there is um they had to me the pen is curtis but the singing is sly and marvin mm-hmm. that's what i was paying attention to like daily prayer is like sly I have the courage and the aptitude to raise the standard and set the mood. The time to live in a critical. Nobody said the war was spiritual. I pray I make it to the afterlife. But while I'm here, I'm going to shine this light. Going to empower all the pain to fight. We need your strength to help us do what's right. Say what's your purpose, what's your meaning here. I came to serve us, make it loud and clear. And I don't care the color is the cream. Like, that's what it is. The ooh la 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 is actually the horn line on um, on Love and Hate. Mm-hmm. You know? And he takes it to another place, but like, I just like the beginning, the way that Love and Hate opens up. So it, like, that hit my ear a certain way. And like, the way that they used to do backgrounds, there's like this grit that's mm-hmm. in it. So, like, I feel like Daily Prayer is special because it's like going before God. Right. And like there is a um in the book of Isaiah uh in the Bible he talks about like going before God and like how seraphim right. like cleans his mouth with coal and God's like who will go forward for me and tell my people blah 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 right, right. and Isaiah's like I will so like that's what daily prayer is but like it's like being it's like being in heaven and then at the end of it it's like there there's so many things that are like that counter each other like how can I have so much courage in the in the first verse and then have to say in the second verse all the things you've done and I need you to do it for mm-hmm. me? Right. So the second verse is like this place where I'm just like, hey, you did all of this, these things for these prophets. Now I'm asking you to do it for me because I'm going to get kicked out of heaven and I got to go talk to these children in the city. Right. And like when you get to right. the next part, it's like, how can you be up so high to go represent a people? Like it's it's exhausting. Yeah, it is, and I, but and I think it it uh, from knowing you uh, a little bit, like it it exemplifies though your worldview pretty well. But think about think about this, that, you know, you you just were talking about Curtis, and you love all this stuff. You know, part of prayer and part of everything is mantra, and mm-hmm. so if you position uh, not necessarily as a religion, but as a, a certainly a spiritual thing, music and stuff. Yeah, you doing that every morning is exactly just that. Yeah. it's waking up in the morning and being like, I I pick these notes, I pick these words, I pick this ritual yeah. out from something somewhere, whatever it means to me. It could mean you could like 
record somebody farting into your iPhone. But, <laughs> and, and, but, and that's what centers you. Like, whatever yeah. works yeah, yeah, gets yeah. it going. In your case, you took Curtis yeah. and you put it in front of this, the beginning of what is your statement to try to, like, get into uh, their uh, lexicon, really. What's fascinating to me, and and we were saying that we wanted to ask you about where all these quotes came from. Okay. But is that you can look at this album, you can you can take this album as just pure like soul pop, like I mean like, listen to it because it's it's great music, period. Appreciate it. You can look at it deeper or anything. And then or you can look at it like we hid for two hours <laughs> and try <laughs> and, and really think about the things it inspires. And and in that though, you're taking a journey that isn't uh for for like pop culture terms is almost like Forrest Gump or Zelig. Mm. It's like you by using these quotes and 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 using these musical quotes, you've positioned yourself in between all these artists and in between all these points in history. Mm. You know, that's all human human actions matter. Like is is if you if I could play it for somebody and they're and they're like, who's that? I'm like, Marvin Gaye. Like, yeah. yeah, and they, yeah, right. they, 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 they didn't know they wouldn't, and right. it's not that you sound like Marvin Gaye; it's the vibe. And granted, mm. I've been able to spend you know thirty five years with Marvin Gaye, yes. listen to yes. it. So you know that which what's going on is his best album. So yeah, I agree. I used to I used to say I want you is until I grew up. Yeah, and, um, you know it's um. Would you call I want you, darling, pervy? Oh, oh, after the dance is, <laughs> after the dance is, is up there. It's, it's in the top five. Yeah. Not, not after, it's not after the dance. Uh, um, what's the song before after the dance? Why can't I think of it? When he says he's going to give the girl some head. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was that was that was that was cocaine, Marvin. We, we yeah, have man, I like coked out Marvin. Coked I mean, out Marvin. We have to I like coked out Marvin like... and coked out Sly. Coked out Sly. Is coked my out favorite. Sly. That's like hearing Darling Nikki when you're 11. And you're like, what? <clears throat> excuse right. me. Yeah. So I wanted, <laughs> what, what, ask, I wanted to ask you a question because oh, okay. it's it's it ties into what we were talking about. Um, there's a thing that I've been thinking about a lot this year, like the power of black voices. Okay. Just melodic voices because you mentioned Nina Simone yeah you mentioned Angela Davis yeah Flastone Marvin Gaye these are all people who spoke just in their voice with these inflections yeah that are crazy right that if you listen to Angela Davis like I like so there young there, there are young white people that I know in the world mm-hmm. where I will introduce them to like I mean, this has been a year for me where I've introduced people to Nina Simone and Angela Davis a lot. Okay. Because Nina Simone is the documentary that's on Netflix. Right, right, right. Everybody then, should watch. Yeah, and then, like, I randomly had a friend of mine discover Black Power Mixtape. Yeah. So, like, they'll, like, listen, and they're like, how do black people speak like this? Hmm. And then I'm like, well, what do you mean? It's like, well, it's not a black cadence. I'm like, but that's the most amazing part of it, is that these are educated people who were educated to speak a certain way like phonetics and enunciation are super important That's, okay so black voices right because i want to ask about that because i feel like there's so much in the melody and the creation of the melody that comes from the voice in what you do especially, oh yeah especially here <clears throat> this is okay so this is interesting so um this record was a little different because i feel like spirituality is hung up on voice right. and not on instrument. 
So I want you to think about like all of the spiritual records and how much space they have. Right. Think about like all the Stevie Wonder records. Like, let's think about fulfilling his first finale. Okay. Um, I don't. Everything on there is very melodic and spaced out. The drums aren't too heavy. It's just like when you think about like heaven uh, is ten zillion light years away. It's like really. It feels like you're like in heaven when you're it's listening. It's like pastoral. To it. Yeah, almost, like it just yeah. has a a vibe and like, Demarvin, what's going on? Like. When you're in the spirit, like, there's all of these, the voice is what's out front, you know? Right. So, I think, like, with this album, it's funny, on Daily Prayer, I have a video in my phone of me playing the chords that I'm singing, because at first I was supposed to be playing them, and then something told me, like, no, you should sing them. Right. You know? Like, and so, I was the ooh-la-la-la, I was going to have a horn player play it. So I was just laying references. Yeah. And then I was like, no, this sounds better with just the vocal, you know, Um, doing restrictions. It's the same thing. Same thing on Children of the City. Like if you just listen to like how all of these voices are like carrying these songs, generation like Fish Jubilee singers. Yeah. You know, Um, am I good enough to love Sly? Yeah, Yeah. All of that stuff is just it's layers to it. Um. Human Action Matters, like Gregorian chant. Right. You know? Um, nowadays, just Marvin Gaye doo-wop. Me, you know? First time you were over here, we were upstairs talking. and uh, Not first time, when, when you and I talked. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about video games. Yeah. And we were talking about Halo. Gregorian chant. And, and we were talking about <laughs> Gregorian chant. And you yep. were talking about, he might have been talking about you, Chris. He was like, yeah. these dudes... Kept playing Halo in my dorm room. Oh yeah, yeah I'm gonna let him talk about that. Listen, Go ahead. Those those were kind of like that was the genesis of a lot of things, man. Uh, aside from just our friendship and our, like our crew's friendship, of right. Just like System Link Halo matches. Also, him like with the makeshift, uh, like mic in the closet with the sock on the mic for mm-hmm. the filter and making incredible shit. That even then we were like, oh wow, like. You're really talented, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're. This is probably what you're going to be doing for your. Props to the sock and the filter. That our fourth episode ever. I was like, we got to do something about these pops. I put a sock on my thing, and 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 people made fun of it. So in the middle of the episode, you can hear it pull it off, and it's the (laughs) grossest sound I've ever heard in my life. Look, man, a sock on the filter is a real thing. I got through my whole first like album fresh out of college with the sock on the filter. Yep. That's just what it was. But these guys used to stay playing Halo yeah. while I was recording. Yeah. But they used to laugh when I would tell them, like, yo, that's a Gregorian chant at the top of that joint. And that joint is dope. Like, it was a, it was a I was like, who made full, this? Full circle. He came back yeah, around. Like, and he's like, oh, man, you threw the Gregorian so chant. You I finally was, got around yeah, to putting the Gregorian like, chant in there, right? Yeah. Human, human action matters. It's Gregorian chant. Like, it's just like, I'll, I'm going to come back to that. But, um... Forecast has that that um, fulfilling this first finale yeah. type of vibe, and then you you end on Gregorian chant with right. uh, villain and me. It was regaining my belief in myself that gave me the power to change the direction of my life, and is what allows me to now provide hope to others facing similar challenges. Because I'm living proof. Yeah. Like it's the same 
thing like singing in octaves. And God bless my sister because she'd be upstairs watching TV and I'd come upstairs sometimes and she'd be like, what are you doing down there? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And so, what are you doing? Just constantly laying like, down. Oh. I mean, just imagine me in the basement. Four hours. Oh. <laughs> like, it's just like, right. Yo, what you are you? Stop? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. You know, because right, it's it's. I think that like it's it's strange. Like right now in pop music, like there's so much like African American music that is part of like the cultural lexicon of like pop yeah. culture worldwide. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like there's like one black voice. Yeah. Like and it's it's traditionally southern, and it may be affected by some kind of like electronic effect, but it's one black voice. That's right. because of restrictions, though. Right. And and it's intriguing that you have like a million voices all over this record, and some of them being affected black voices without any sort of electronics. Yeah. But yeah. like that clip thing that Angela Davis does because she is Angela Davis. Yes. And yes. 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 The, this yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah. And then Nina Simone who. Yeah. In, you know like yeah. giant tumbles of words right it's like it's, and it's it's cool it's like a real like fascinating thing that black people, black people yeah. do yeah and that yeah. Other, a lot of other where, cultures of people don't do yeah. and where, where does that and this is something i should know but where i mean and i know the church but do we know where exactly that comes from if you listen to you. okay i'll tell you exactly where it comes from because people make fun of me for it still to this day. Like I, it's like literally like you're. I think you're the only white person in my entire like universe uh -huh. that doesn't make fun of the way I say certain words. Because when <laughs> in, your face. Oh, I'm, but so all of us I think went to elementary school at some point in like the 80s or early 90s, mm -hmm. and there was a huge thing with the teaching of phonetics mm -hmm. right. in elementary school, elementary school even, where elementary. when you learn how to speak. Phonics are so important. So you learn consonant and vowel sounds gotcha. like specifically. And there's a thing in that because especially if you had black teachers, like I had a mm -hmm. black teacher, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Like I went to DC public schools and I went to Bunker Hill, which is like right around the corner from here. And they were big on making sure that all of us sounded intelligent. Even if we were not intelligent, mm -hmm. we at least knew what and we at least knew what we were saying right. and how to say it properly man i'm in i'm in a weird space i will say like that i've i've learned like from making this album that's why i said i'm still learning from the album right yeah. because it like i feel like it came through me um i'm just in a weird space i'm in a weird space because of where i live at what what privilege i've had mm -hmm. and really i think the deeper I, I go into spirituality and understanding what it really means to be a Christian. Right. Um, it changes the way that I look at things. There will always be a talented 10th. Right. All right. So like the Angela Davises and the Nina Simones, um, the Marcus Dowlings. Uh, no, no, I'm serious. Like, you. you know, the... There are always going to be the talented tents and the people that go forward and push the culture. But there are all there are also people like Paul in the Bible. There has to be people like him who are going to go out and talk to the people mm -hmm. that the talented tenth won't talk to mm -hmm. or they get frustrated talking to. Yeah. And I can understand the frustration in talking to them. I mean, it kind of circles back to what you were talking about in the group chat. With exactly. The you know but but like, it's like, hey, 
I'm from those types of neighborhoods. So number one, I'm from Cleveland. Right. I grew. I was born in Cleveland. I grew up in Shaker. Well, let me say I lived in Shaker, but I grew up in Cleveland. Like a lot of a lot of the times, people don't understand the dynamic of living in the '90s and living in suburbs in the '90s. So let me break this down, since we're talking about restrictions and mm-hmm. album. All right. I was born in Cleveland. I used to live on Dale Ray in the Lee and Harvard neighborhood. I moved to Shaker when I was five. My parents were smart. They were like, hey, we want our children to be able to get an education to get ahead in life. So they moved us to Shaker. Um, the thing about Shaker at the time was it's a white Jewish community, but it's the school district is like 50-50, 50% white, Jewish, 50% black. Great school district. Problem is, on the weekends, I'm not going out to play with white kids. You feel what I'm saying? Right. My cousins live down the way. Guess where I'm going? Down the way. So there's two sides to it. You go down the way, you got to use your old address. You got to use your Cleveland address. Because if you use your shaker address, they're going to think some certain way about you. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a problem. You're going to fight. All right. Use your Cleveland address because in the hood, they don't like privileged, with quotes, black people. Right. You live in the suburbs. You don't know nothing about this. But in the suburbs, they don't like privileged black people. Right. Right. (laughs) We're black. We're white. What are you doing here? You don't belong. So you're like fitting in between two worlds, you're restricted in both of them. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But what you learn is we're all the same, you know? Yeah. Like, if you get to know me, we're all the same, but I understand both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? So, just going full circle, I can understand someone who's in the talented 10th that doesn't understand that side of the coin right, right. that wouldn't live in the neighborhood that I live in because they're like, it's go. risky over here. Like, when you go, I'm yeah. not walking down to say, no. man, my dad was in town last Who's week. Anacostia now for like most of uh, DC. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my dad was in town last week. He was like, I'm about to put some things on this grill. I'm walking down to that Safeway. He walks down to that Safeway every time he gets here. You know why? Because his name is Larry Abernathy. <laughs> <laughs> And straight up and down. Right. He right. just he's just right. a guy from Cleveland. He could go anywhere he wants to go. Yeah. And I'm the same way. Like I could go, you could put me anywhere. I'm not gonna be a af- there are people right. who are afraid, they're black and they're afraid of their own people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's not I it's something I don't understand. Like, these are our people. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm never it, gonna be afraid of my people. But maybe it's because I've been around these people my whole life. You know what I'm saying? I've been around all types of people my whole life. It's, it's that, and, and to tie this back into sort of the Buffy metaphor, it's trying to figure out what the big bad is. Mm. Where does that come from? We don't know, because it, it's clearly not like, you know, if, if it's somebody like me, it's like, well, that he's probably racist or, you know, or just not this, not his experience. But it's oh, I got you. the same emotion is driving that response. So here's the thing. And this is, again, I'm still, I'm still figuring all of this out with you guys. Like yeah. that's why we're having this dialogue. Yep. Like right. I remember my mom telling me, she's like, "I think you made something, and you don't understand how deep it right. is." She's like, "I don't think you understand 
what's been put in in you so you have to keep going back to it she was like you have Your to mother keep sounds like a smart lady yeah, yeah. <laughs> she is Man, there was like, there were times where i mean we've been sitting on this this record for months mm-hmm. you know and we've listened to it uh like well in the hundreds of times of listening to it yeah every day for four months over here yeah I mean, Man, that's not crazy yeah, same, same. yeah. So crazy. <laughs> we were in just our conversations, we were kind of amazed by the layers that we were starting to uncover. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Even even after he had completed it, it's all done, you know, it's all sequenced, and we're just listening to it ad nauseum every day and still coming back almost every day and having something new to talk about. Yep. Like, hey man, like did you notice? Nothing to do with the music. Yeah, but just like the the talking points that stem from a song like restrictions, mm-hmm. or they or they come from, you know the the, the hook and generation. LGBT community, black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American. Let's come together and save the nation. My mind. I mean, and, and that song in particular, I, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. Man. I don't... <laughs> that, that, that literally is... No, no offense, I mean, you've been saying this as past three years. That's literally from outer space. <laughs> wow. That, that type um, of song lands once in a generation, maybe once a century, once a movement. Like When we first heard it, it, it just blew me to the back of the room. I could not... And because I knew Ooh. you, and Ooh. I and I could Ooh. not, I could not <laughs> try to figure out. Like I'm like, okay, here's this talented fucking dude. He's smart as shit. Can play the fuck out of piano. He can sing, and I and like he's got the the roots in civil rights. I knew all the parts. Yeah. I still and to this day still cannot figure out where this came from. I don't either. Except no, except except that it's here. Yeah, I don't know. Look, man, that song, I did that song in like an hour. I know, I know. It was quick. <laughs> I remember go, going down in the basement, getting on my drum set. I went to the gym, came home, and I remember like just that. And then just clapping. And like, I was like, yo, let me clap. Like, let me just play this out. You right. know, just play it out, lay it so, out. You know, I laid these drums down. I was like, let me lay this down real quick. Then I was like, man, this joint, like, once I started EQing it, I was like, ooh, this got an attitude. Then I just cut the yep. mic on right. and just started going. Mm-hmm. Like, and I knew I wanted to start with that Pledge of Allegiance. See, this is what I mean by, like, pieces, right? I did Generations before I did Restrictions. Um, do you remember the original track order was uh, Daily Prayer, Children of the City, um, Villain in Me, was third and then, then um, restrictions. restrictions. Generation. Yeah, yeah, it was that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and Shannon was the one who was like, hey, 
villain got to go to the end. Villain to me got to go to the end. She was like, you, you got right. too happy too soon. She was like that. Yeah. There's no. She was like. She was like, there's children no of the city. Like it needs to be. Yeah, like you she have was to like, wade through all of this right. before she was you like, get yeah, to. She was like, it doesn't make is, sense. Is that catharsis though? We're going to go on a sidebar here because, you know, you know where or you know who all the people you put in here. Who's speaking of that in that one? And which one? Which one? A villain of me. BJ Davis. Okay. Which is crazy. So BJ Davis, man, the way this is what I mean by like the way that God was working through me. These sound bites, man, like, I don't I don't know where they were coming from. I watch TED Talks. I listen yeah. to, to Rob Bell podcast. <laughs> right. yeah. um, and stuff just starts sticking out. I'm in the gym listening. Like, I'll have my YouTube on and just mm-hmm. listen. And this guy, BJ Davis, is talking about how, you know, he was on drugs and he was going to jail. Mm-hmm. And his mom died while he was in jail. And he came out of jail and he was like, I'm going to turn my life around. Went back to jail came back out and really turned his life around. And when I heard him say um, that thing about like... You don't have to wait like, for a miracle. Yeah. You don't have to wait for a miracle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can create your own. You can create your own. And I was like, that is it. It is the best ending to an album I have ever heard in my life. Wow. It is... It. Your thesis is this dialogue. Yeah. And a lot of that is about self-empowerment. Yeah. And to end it on the the purest statement of self empowerment is just like it, it hits you like a hammer in your head, and you just sit there and think about that. And then you like personally me, I get up and I start the record again. I'm like, all right, I've just learned something. I'm gonna learn something else. Let's keep yeah. going. But I think one of the important things that I was that I wanted to convey with that mm-hmm. was the religious themes that are inside of the album. Yeah, like, and you guys spoke to this, yeah. and I speak to a, a similar place that you do. Yeah. you know what I'm saying, where I do not share the faith that you do, mm-hmm. but in the way that I've seen him walk in his faith and be able to convey it to other people, right. I've grown to respect it. The way that he represents his faith is probably one of the most genuine and pure that Absolutely. I've ever seen. Absolutely, wow. you know, and it's, and it comes across in the music, and it comes across in the way mm-hmm. that. You know, the first group you shout out in, in Generation is the LGBT community. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It comes out in the fact that it ends with that quote where it's like, you don't wait for a miracle. You know what I'm saying? You go out and make your own. Like, a lot of these ideas are in direct opposition with what you think about fundamental Correct. Christianity. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because fundamental so, American, hard quotes again, American <laughs> Christianity is similar to. New Testament and what Christ was up against. Yep. Right. And I think that's the thing that if you, if you really, that's why I say in, in um, Children of the City, um, and these political crooks and Pharisees with dirty looks, you ever walked into a church mm-hmm. and a pastor is like looking down on someone who, who comes in with like messed up clothes on that's or something? That's a dude. Like, like 100%. Like yeah. how, how does that happen? <laughs> yeah. How? Yeah. You, like, you you are the guys that Christ was talking about. Yeah, you're but, the but, Pharisees. So, so Falwell, did, not Junior, Senior, mm-hmm. was at the height of his power when I was growing up. Okay, my friends lived around the corner from him. Um, everybody in Lynchburg was Baptist. Right, it wasn't Black Baptist; it was White Baptist because 
there was a pocket of the city where if you were black, you lived there and you didn't live outside that. Yeah. He would send people out to all these churches. And even though you like we were Episcopalian, but the people were like, this guy's on TV. He's Jerry Falwell. So your parents take you to see him. And invariably, you'd have a creepy guy who probably molested kids asking, like, have you been saved? And and that's what you're talking about, like those type of people that like the the intention is disgenuine. It is it is corrupting what the whole point of faith is supposed to be, which is to make us better people. How can a God come down in human form and serve humans? He has all the power and decides to serve humans. Mm-hmm. And you're a human with power and can't serve humans that you influence. Right. I've, I've, I've struggled a lot with trying to, like, understand the place for morality in modern culture. Because culture, not just music. Right, yeah. culture. Because it's, it's an immoral time. Like, it's Shut an immoral <laughs> age. I think that's the thing with the, with the digital revolution that... We, we lost a moral compass because we introduced a third energy into this, like, you know, kind of like AB, like, you know, analog thing that we were doing. When you throw in the digital era into it, there's like a third wave that comes in that kind of sends everything asunder. So there's no balance. Yeah. So this is the first time on a record where I've heard like actual conversation in regards to a modern standard of what morality can be. Mm. And it's like addressing flaws, but at the same time also like very strongly advocating for a thing because most people don't advocate for a thing. It's like, I compare your record a lot to like Future's record because it's in Future's (laughs) record. He's like, there's literally no morality. I'm just doing some stuff. Are you talking about Pillar of Morality 1 and 2? That that record doesn't exist. Right, Right. Future. Right, because he's just like, he's like, because the thing about Future that makes it work is that Future's like amoral in a, in a sense that like is popping, catchy, and yeah. fun. Like he makes amorality seem like the most like wonderful. I just fucked your bitch in Gucci flip flops. Right, exactly. Like, right. The most, like so, it's so Future, ridiculous. Future is the guy. Excellent. Future's the guy in the band in the Blade Runner ripoff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just walks into the club and you got Future in there. He's got some weird I, ass shades. Yeah. I know this is going to be weird, but I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come to Future's defense. Okay. Oh, oh, so no, because oh, I, like, you know, I know you so I figured oh, out like, this here. Oh my god. I will, I will most certainly real dialogue. <laughs> I will most certainly I'm gonna come to Futures. Oh, you know, you're gonna all come to Futures. So I used to have a deal. Let's talk about restrictions, all right? Yeah, okay. So I had a record deal in two thousand and ten. And I remember sitting in that office in New York, EMI. And I remember them saying, like, we're going to make a lot of money. This is where, like, prologue came from. These The prologue sessions were based on this deal. Like, hey, you're going to sing a cover album. I want you to go cut, like, 10 records, 10 to 12 records. We're going to put it out. We're going to put a lot of money behind it so people can hear it. And then we'll gear up for your next album. And I remember they brought me, like, two songs that I was just like, I'm not singing this. <laughs> All right? Like, straight up. I think I was like 26, 27 at the time. Right. And I was like, there's no way I'm singing this. Right. And the guy, I'm not going to say his name, but the guy I had a deal with, I remember after telling him, like, I told my manager at the time, 
to not um I was like I can't sing this man like nah this this not the way for me I was like I think I was like because it's gonna have it's gonna have my blood on it it's gonna have my name on it and once it goes out I can't get that back right so I remember him telling the guy that I was signed to and they never they never hit me up after that again right. like they let the deal expire oh wow and they never hit me up it's the best thing that ever happened to me yeah you know. And the deal went through. I got my money and I kept it moving, you know. But um, what happens is you have a choice when you're a young black man or woman in this music industry. That we have a we have a choice. I would say from probably the year two thousand and on, we've had a maybe before then. But anyways, the choice is. Black music, I remember them telling me this. Now listen, yeah. black music, black R&B is either Raheem Devon, Jill Scott, go get Little Pennies, mm-hmm. and even Jill Scott's getting Bitcoin, but right. they didn't they didn't think that was going to happen. Right. All right? So go get Little Pennies, or it's Chris Brown, Beyonce. Right. Sing what we tell you to sing, because this is what's going to work, and this is what black people want to hear. Right. But there is no in-between. Right. And so... The reason I say I come to Future's defense is I think what Future does is what he knows. And there's yeah. also a lane. You also get in those label offices and it's like you have to sing about this or we're not putting your record out. Right. All of your favorite trap artists are married. Yeah. I just watched the Gucci Mane wedding the other night. As did I. <laughs> and, and did you see Beautiful. 2 chains in there yes. with his wife? With it his was wife. Yeah. yeah. You know? But well, if two, you, two chains is a funny story because it's like this is it's it's intriguing you bring this up in the context of this record. Because the thing about this record that makes it great, and thank God it's an independent, is that you can talk about these things honestly yeah. because there are no restrictions on you. Yeah. So like and, and I'm glad you say this because like another thing that people don't understand about two chains is that two chains has been rapping for like 25 years. Yeah. You know? Probably the, be, probably the best rebranding right. of like an I remember when Ludacris shouted him out on his first album. He was like, Titty Boy, right. play a circle. Two, 25 yeah. years. And this man is and now at point, you know, like after 25 years where he's just making the record. Whatever the record yeah. is, I make it. Yeah. And it's like, and it's just a professional thing. But when you turn like, because music is like honest, creative force. When you turn like honest, creative force into like professional enterprise, there's a thing that just leaves just yeah. leaves the room it's the thing that gets tricky though is see this this is the moral code though so right I and that's choice. why we want to get into this yeah i had a choice to make because i could have sang those records and those records might have brought fame my way right but i also need my name and that's just um how many people every day do you think though look at that and they're like this is a reasonable sacrifice to make I think you gotta, you have, you just have to weigh it. Like I think that, you think make, it's just a purely personal thing. Yeah, I think it's a personal thing, but more importantly, I just think that black people have been disenfranchised, so they're trying to get to money. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Right. Period. Like well, I'm not about to judge that man because he was like, "Yo, I'm not leaving this bag on the table. Like I'm going to get it." <laughs> it's a big, it's a big bag. Yeah, I'm like about to put out these three you know? mixtapes. Yeah, and, and I can't. Yeah. I would never. I could just never, I could just never talk down on anyone that's trying to feed their family. What I will talk down on is the record industry, though, 
that puts people at a disadvantage, yep. that puts people's names at a disadvantage, that sells to the world that black people are this way. And that's why when I go out, people look at me and they look at my hair and they look at, the, at my beard and they're clutching their purse and their pearls. And I'm just like, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> like, right. The industry, whether it be the labels, whether it be the blogosphere, whether it be journalists, whatever you want to look at it, like portray uh, not just black artists, but like everybody. Mm-hmm. There's little pens and they just slide them into it. You fit in here, you fit in here. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's not much room for rebellion left except being independent. Yeah. And, and even that is a risk. Like what was Ant telling us earlier? He was like, um, you know, the album came out this week. And I told he asked me, he was like, you know, what's up with the write-ups? You getting any write-ups? And Chris was telling him, like, yeah, we, we're working on that. Mm-hmm. He was like, we're not really getting write-ups the way that we got write-ups on Monologue. And my brother literally said to me, he was like, it's the Kaepernick effect. He was like, you might fall on the sword on this one. Because this one is, he was like, it's not a, he was like, it's, it's a little, um, he was like, it's a little deeper He's like monologue is fun, man. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's fun records like, on there. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, funny. Look, he's safe and charming. There's a whole narrative point that I wanted to bring up, and I didn't bring it up on yeah. the album review, but I'll bring it up here. I haven't heard a record this good in 15 years. Man, thank you. So like, That's crazy. We, we, we've we've and, and we've talked about music 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So there was the greatest thing about the industry 15 years ago in R&B was that you could be like Cody Chestnut. Yeah, man, come on. Yeah. 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 Headphone masterpiece. So yeah, yeah, we was all over that. Headphone masterpiece. Right. In his bedroom and while, or something. And while there wasn't a second record available to him, the roots were right there as like the secondary look to the left. Like, it was. Oh, yeah. so you, you're dope. Um, mm-hmm. You need a check? Yeah. Let's sing the seed. Let's right. make this, like, sing the seed. Well, we yeah. got you. Boom. There it is. Mr. Ray just posted something about that, which is where I think you're going with this, about instead of reaching down and reaching up, which is what we said, it's like, reach laterally. We just talked about right. this. Reach this, this, this has been, this has been this our mantra for, yeah. from yeah. the beginning. Yeah. It's, 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 it's fascinating yeah. now because I feel like we're at a place in the industry where when you, and you, you I'll put it like this because you'll understand this. You made the second record that like a guy like Cody Chestnut couldn't make. Because mm. Cody, if you look at him now, now that he's had that opportunity to make like second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth record, yeah. he's like gone so far out. Yeah, yeah. As a creative, where you're like now he's like literally wearing pith helmets. He is. And you're just like, how'd you get there? And it's like, well, <laughs> he's when you're that level of creative, <laughs> yeah. you're just like, boom, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end up here. Yeah. So there's a thing though, in you being in this space, that very few other independent R&B artists have ever been. Mm. And it's like, because I want to say this to you, like, uh, privately, but I'll say it to right. you publicly. Hey, let's do yeah, it. We're all, we're all friends here. But um, <laughs> there's a thing in being in rare space mm. that nobody in the industry has been in in 20 years mm. where you can do whatever you want. And people might not write it because right. they don't know to write it because there's not... A machine. There has not been a machine. There's not a, but there's never been a. This album has not existed. Are you saying you don't have to wait for a miracle? You can create your own. Bam. I mean, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. It's a fascinating space because, like, I mean, 
So it's funny because like then if you look at somebody like Macy Gray. Because yeah. Macy Gray made the second record, but again, and she's the only person I could think of when I was trying to think of people who had that like underground to mainstream buzz, who made a great mainstream record, mainstreamish record that had some kind of like, you know, yeah, push. And then the second record comes and you're just like, wait. And it's and it's a slightly different record because it's honest at that point to like it's a it's another level of honesty that you've reached into. Yeah. Because creatives, true creatives, only know to reach down that's it you just have to keep yourself. going deep and being vulnerable and so yeah but think about it though like that's the thing it's like this is the growth the growth record yeah ideally yeah because people especially in this generation as like a black writer right now yeah we only get to write and this is the point about being black and being creative in america in 2017 you only get to write about the first thing mm. because the mm-hmm. only narrative that people want right now from black America is new and fresh and progressive. Yeah. But there's nothing that goes to this point of like living. Yeah. And existing. Yeah. And making sure that you are taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, give somebody like Moses or somebody like Solange who are making these records that are like crazy, super progressive, like Blood Orange, you know, like yeah, Devon yeah, stuff. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. making these records where like literally, if 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 the people don't write about this record, these are people who could like creatively die. Yeah. Because the level of humanity that they're putting on the line, if you don't write about it, like if Pitchfork didn't write about the Dev Hines record or if Solange put out Cranes in the Sky, people were like, oh, Beyonce's sister made another record. Right. Yeah. It was, it was kind of cool. Right. And here's what I think you expect from any album you hear, even if it's deep, like some level of ego. That's that's stripped out of this completely. Yeah. yeah. There is. Yeah, there, it's not about a... there, I mean, there, there just isn't. I, I, I've, I've listened yes. to it every day for four months. <laughs> I can't find it. There's but, no, it's nowhere to be found. It's, um, so let's talk about, th- man, when I tell you, like, there's, um, I'm still learning from this record. So, like, I'm talking to my mom about it because, like, my mom listens to it. I love my mom. She's just like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> make <laughs> a, a lyric. song about her. <laughs> like, make a lyric sheet. So I make her a lyric sheet and send it to her. She's like, this is deep. And so then she was like, there's, so there's four topics that we're talking about on every song. My mom is a teacher, all right? And so she said, these are the four topics there are four dialogues that are happening in every song. There's an internal dialogue. There's a historic dialogue. Mm-hmm. There's a contemporary dialogue. And there's a futuristic dialogue. In every song. Yeah. She was like, if you go through everyone and you and you you every song and you think about that, she's like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That there's four different dialogues within she was like, that's what this whole album is built on, these four dialogues. But here's the thing that here's the thing that's interesting. Like, remember when you kept calling me and you was like, You you understand you finished this album February twenty-eighth. This was before Tiki Tortures in Charlottesville. This yes. was before all of the things that have kept rolling out. Mm-hmm. Like the things that kept rolling out makes the album Right. Yeah. Th- like it's just like we right. were done. We were sitting in. Yeah, we were sitting in a restaurant together watching. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I looked at him like, yeah, your record gets more relevant. The events we're seeing now are not unprecedented. Right. People have forgotten. So to them, it's like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. so, sorry, here's a history book, kids. Let's let's look at this. And um, um, I think that's why the historical context within the album yeah. is so important. It's just like, you understand, like, this is Angela Davis. This is Nina Simone. This is Lorraine Hansberry yeah. on, on um, mm-hmm. you know, this is Shirley Chisholm. Yep. Like, like, you know, these are... To me, man, it's hard to pick like a favorite song, but I want to, I want to talk about restrictions because of the way the way that restrictions that came I together. record i am speaking from watching someone outside of my window grow up in a community and get older within a community and not understand why he's stuck in this community and then you have like dr chancellor williams come on and explain it to him but he'll never hear it because the young people in our community don't talk to the elders and and look that that's a that's a very powerful statement a very powerful thing again Back to the big bad theory. It's like, if he could hear it, it might help. Yeah. So we know what one of the problems, we know what this guy specifically his problem is in that song. But it's like, how do you help him? And and by laying it out, by like, you can't in our current mechanism. We don't, the tools are there. We aren't using them. You hear that confusion which, in, the, in the quote which, at the end. Which, yeah. which, which, which as we wind this down, I, I wanted to get it. Back to something that that is prominent on your album, it's a very loaded phrase uh, that can mean a lot of different things uh, for specifically black culture, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the idea of by any means necessary, by any means necessary, and what we normally attribute that phrase to is violence. Fist raised by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. But in listening to dialogue, I think. It opens up, at least it did for me, and on, and on restrictions and stuff, is violence is an option. We, is. we have to agree, as much as nonviolence, Eduardo said oh, as is. much, yeah. violence is always an option. Definitely, yeah. And, but so is looking at all the different tools we have, and what are you willing to do to help, like, this one person? What are you willing to do this? And, 
and so by any means necessary, like as far as your album goes, I mean, how do you see this album fitting into that sort of history of that terminology? Because this is a tool and, and, yeah. and, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to tell people like, this is a great pop album. You should really do it. Right. This is yeah. not, this no, will, en this will entertain the <laughs> fuck out of you. Yeah. But, but you're right. You made the most important album of 2017, probably the most important album of the decade. It is something that if you open up to it, you're going to learn how to, I think, adjust some of the things you do. But look at this. That's why the internal part is so important. Yes. Because you have to be ready to listen to something like this. So I can't yes. I can't make you be ready. But is it but it but right. isn't isn't like good soul music an easy like trick? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like, like, I, I was just having, I was just having fun. Yeah, <laughs> or, or, yeah, I was just thinking about making babies, and then his motherfucker went ahead and said this serious Ooh, shit. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I, I talk about that with restrictions all the time because restrictions is a legitimate gem. Like, right. Malik comes in with that bass, and you're like, whoa. But then, man, Malik, like, you're screaming. <laughs> there's no economic balance. You know what I'm saying? You're like, yeah. this is a little bit different than you know what yeah. I'm accustomed to dancing to. It's, you know? it's yeah. like that moment. It's like the closest comparative, and it's funny you bring that up because I was talking about this like at length with someone recently. The closest comparative was when you listen to Nas' album done on um, the Khaled album, and all yeah. of a sudden, Nas, who hasn't spoken a word in rap in a long, long time right. that's like relevant, goes, Racial economic inequality, gotta <laughs> solve it. <laughs> and you're like, Yep. What? Yeah. Yeah. What? But that's the power of music. And, no, and, it's, and... It's, it's amazing because right. it's just like, it's like the same thing. There's numerous times yeah. on the album, especially on restrictions, where you just are like, you're listening, and all of a sudden you say something, or there's a voice that says something, and you're just like, what? Yeah. I remember playing Restrictions from Malik. I found I found the, the Chancellor Williams um voice voice um over or mm -hmm. soundbite when I was in um Germany somewhere or France. I don't know where it was somewhere in Europe. And I remember being in the airport, I was like, I looked at Malik, I was like, I found it. I found the gym that is going to like really bring this record home. Yep. And he was like, man, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Which is typically I, the reaction right. when we all I was, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, was like I got you tonight. I got you tonight. I'm going to finish this on the plane, right? I did I did all, like, most of the sound bites were done while I was on tour with Black. Because yeah, yeah, I yeah. finished recording the album. I was like, I just need these sound bites to bring home. Yeah. And so um, I remember I played Restrictions for Malik. And he closed my computer after he was done. He was like, that just gave me the chills. And I was, he was like, the fact that the guy at the end still says, I don't know why I'm here. And he, he got it. He was like, mm -hmm. he doesn't know because he, he doesn't talk to the elders. He doesn't have the education on it, you know? Right. And we live in a society where they throw old people away. Right. Like, look at how many people are like dying to be young, mm -hmm. to stay young. Yeah. I'm not dying to stay young. Like, I don't want to... I'm the rare falcon, as you say. I yes. don't want to go to the club. Yes. What? Uh, man, hey, well, come on, man. I'm 34. 45 is glorious, motherfucker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, is, it is like, I got a basement. Yeah. I got people <laughs> like, come down here. What the hell? I, no, I, I, I learned that from you. you. Know, yeah. I, I steal that from you. When you're like, it's always a thing with Kevin where it's like, we'll talk about doing something. And he's like, well, is it enough for me to leave the basement? 
I feel them. It's I always ask me. myself, yep. like, is it enough for me to leave the house? I could be at the crib making some salmon, man. Right. I'm straight. Yep. Exactly. Like, straight up. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> I, this guy. <laughs> So every time he says salmon, it'll just take a shot. Everybody yeah, so I, I'll be so, eating a lot. Of so, salmon. so yeah, but but it was but, delicious. Okay, so I'm gonna try to bring it home. Okay, with this dialogue. I now understand that dialogue. Okay, number one, dialogue initially was created to for me to have a conversation with the past. To create a better future. Right. Yep. So it's like to talk to the elders in the past to get to the future. I'm talking with these sound bites and we're helping relay this message to say we have to get to a better place as a people. Right. And not just black people. Right. This country has to understand that number one, we're not going back to Africa. You brought us here. Right. All right. We're here to we we <laughs> right. built we Y'all built here. this country. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You mm-hmm. America got it to be a superpower country. Because it was built on free labor. Yep. All right. So let's be 100 about that. So we're here. All right. But then it started turning into something else. And it started turning into this thing of like, there's so much to unpack right. within this album. Like, if you keep returning to it, it will keep returning to you. And the thing is, how can someone. So you talk about like all of the stuff that you've had to like yeah, unpack. Right, right. How much stuff we we had parents that were together. How much stuff have we had to unpack in this new generation? Lots. You don't, don't I'm gonna let him talk. Does it matter that your parents were together when you're out here dating? No, it does not. <laughs> no, it absolutely does not. I'm gonna let it, him does, talk. it does it does inform just the way that I move about, you know, my life and my interactions. I think that's one of the things that makes us really close is that our family dynamic is really the same too. Like right. middle child, both parents, yeah. both parents were together. Yeah. You know, younger sister, like there's, there's a lot of the dynamics right. that are similar. The commonality so, of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, we can relate to a lot of those things. And when I talk about that aspect of it, it's just like, you know, it was, it was, it was more for me improving as a person and them making sure that, you know, I had the tools to be a good person out in the world. Right. You know what I'm saying? And this kind of speaks to villain in me, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Where it's just like, they gave me the tools. Yeah. You know, they, they you know, don't know if I'm going to go out there and actually be a piece of shit person, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they give me the tools to actually live like I should. That's one of the things that I respect about this man. Because even in our conversations, I feel like I've improved as a person, just on a friend level. And so that same sentiment is in the is in the record. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because people listen to it and they feel like empowered. That's one of the that's one of the main things that they say when they come back. It's like, I feel empowered. I feel hopeful. You know, yep. I feel inspired. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this is all due to his character as a person. And that's what's resonating through this album. I think that's why it's touching people in the way that it is. I, I hunters percent subscribe to that newsletter that you are you're yeah. pitching <laughs> yeah because yeah that's that's i think that's what it is yeah you know yeah, i'm gonna i have to tell the whole food story because i did yeah, yeah, the whole food story because i i did say something about this so going back to restrictions the whole food story so i'm able to go to the new whole foods on 8th street and I can now bypass the Safeway, which 
the song East of the River, it didn't make the album. You've heard it. Yes. You've heard it. Yeah. It was one of the second records right. done on the album yes. and didn't make it. But um, East of the River stems from this rotten produce right. in the grocery store. Um, let's talk about gentrification and and how it's... Yeah, Whole Foods especially. It struggles. It, it makes... Man, it, it just hurts black people. Period. So, yeah. I'm in Whole Foods. I'm getting, you know, my food, trying to eat healthy. Right. There's a black woman in line in front of me. She's an older black woman. And, I mean, she got, I was like, I, I see you out here. Like, she had all, she had healthier stuff than me, you know? <laughs> and so, she's checking out, you know, her, like, bill comes up to, like, $80 or so. And um, she hands the lady her EBT card. And the young girl says, oh, I'm sorry, man. We don't take EBT. And she's like, what do you mean you don't take EBT? And she was like, we don't take EBT cards. And she was like, this is money given to me by the government every month. She was like, it's money. So how does Whole Foods not take EBT? Right. Now, let me let me show you, like, the disadvantage of both people in this context. It's Whole Foods, but it's a black young girl. Right. She don't have the answers. She can't answer this older black woman. The manager, young, right. black. All she could do is come out there and say, I'm sorry, ma'am, it's Whole Foods policy. We don't take EBT. And the lady turns and was like, I'm going to let you know right now, I have cash to pay for this. She was like, but if you look right across the street, what does that say? What's across the street? And she's like, I don't know, ma'am. I don't know what's across the street. You know the EBT building's across the street, right? Right, right there, right across from the Whole Foods yeah. is the EBT building. You feel what I'm saying? She's like, she was like, so let's, let's just be clear. You guys come into our community. You build a grocery store. You tell us we're supposed to eat healthier. You tell us you got to do, y'all got high blood pressure and all of this stuff because y'all don't eat right. So I'm trying to eat right, and the government's giving me money to eat right. Right. And you don't take it. How does that work? That's heartbreaking. Yep. That's heartbreaking. I was, so, <laughs> I was so mad. I, I'm mad right now talking right. about it. Like, she's like, so what y'all want me to do? She was like, here, here's $80. She takes the money out. She was, like, But what she was, the point that she was driving home is, y'all want us to eat rotten produce. Yep. That's what, what you, there. you know what I'm saying? Yep. That's what y'all want. 7-Eleven, except, except CBT. Just want to point this out. Come on. And they have a fully, they have a fully built out, like, menu now. Come on. Literally in the front of the store. It's like. The real thing. This is Whole Foods. This is supposed to be like the top tier right. grocery store. It's not accept EBT. They don't. They don't accept EBT. That lady had that. That lady had to reach into her pocket and pull out that money to pay for that food. And now she might not return to it. But then this is this is how restrictions work. Where they'll be like, this is how Fox News works. Well, why yeah. don't you just go to Whole Foods? Oh, exactly. right. well, what's even crazier though is that there's a giant two doors down that. Except CBT, yep. but the quality of the food probably isn't the same in perception right. 
as if you go to Whole Foods. And, you know, with freedom being what it is, you should be able to be free to go and do as you please. And yep. hence restrictions. Yeah. So it's like, it's those things that I'm singing about, man. It's, it's so, there's some, you, we could talk about the, um, the black boys that were selling water on Capitol Hill that got arrested. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Water. <laughs> Where they, they sell water in the hood all the time. Right. You'll see them right on Minnesota and Benning mm -hmm. passing out water. Them black boys were smart. They was like, you know where we can make more money? Tourists. Where the tourists Ooh, come. Yep. come. There it is. Those are smart black men trying just trying to make a living. They yep. didn't know that there were rules or restrictions yep. that, hey, guess what? To sell water down here, you have to have a permit. That's restrictions, man. Because they're not giving them no permit. Nope. Right. That's it. Like, that's what it is. So when I say <laughs> there's no economic balance, disadvantages are challenged. Don't you turn your back. What you look down on, you created that. That's what that's about. Yeah. They created it. We didn't create it. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So I think like with this album, it's more like it's hard truths. And again, I don't know if I don't know if people are ready to open up to that. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's like hope it's, so. It's, Come uh, to it. It's there. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, it's, there, it's there. It's there, but sometimes it could be, it might be a little too deep. Well, in an era of disposable content, there's at least one album that's out there that's actual, like, non-disposable content, which I think is the yep. thing that makes it stand out. I think that's the beauty of it is it definitely lives up to its title in just so many different ways. Like, yeah. Each 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 song is a discussion in itself, even the way that it's being rolled out without this. I always felt like the weight of the album deserves more than just like commercials about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or just like, you know, album out now. It was, I, it was I wanted people to talk about it. It was know? really a thing. And, and when we were talking about this and I was like, how the fuck do we talk about this album? Guess yeah. is like, sup, Ab? Yeah, what's happening? All right, the catch uh, is rolling. You know, how the fuck do we talk about this? Uh, and and I think the way we do it is all said and done now. It's been almost five hours. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Talking about um, this, uh, and you should internalize this, this masterpiece. Man, wow. You made a masterpiece. And wow, it doesn't... Thank you. Like I like I said, it it came through me. I'm came, I'm I'm learning still from it. It came man. through you, it's, and you know what? Maybe it'll never come through you again. It doesn't matter because yeah, you did this. This is here. Yeah. So the final gem is, you guys talked about this on the last show, right, and yeah. there's there's been a couple of people All picking right. up on it that I think yes. is so. Yeah. I'm so glad that people are picking up on this. If you put the whole album on repeat, yep, it's a perfect donut. And the reason it's a perfect donut, the reason why you get to villain in me, this is done purposely. You get to villain in me and it wraps back around a daily prayer. It's because black people live in a groundhog day. And that's just it. Liberty and 